0: are about to listen to a broadcast from the Greater Harvest Church in Ellenwood, Georgia. In this episode, Dr. Ed Montgomery Sr. speaks on keeping your mind protected. Stay tuned. But in the book of First Chronicles, the 21st chapter, by way of background, this chapter is really speaking about events that occurred in the life of King David. We know David was the son of Jesse, and David was the one who killed Goliath. During that time, there were many giants, especially in, on the Mediterranean coast of, of Israel, the portion that we know, now know as Palestine, but during that time, it was called Philistine, amen? So the Philistines are modern day Palestinians, amen? My modern day Palestinians, so when you hear about Palestine, you ought to as you know they're talking about the Philistines. It was a land that was known for giants. Even though it was not a very large geographic tract of land, it was known to have, have giants. And the, the main one, the father of the giants, was uh, a giant by the name of Gath, G-A-T-H, Gath. Well, why is this significant? It's significant because when the giants of Philistine began to defy the armies of the Lord, one key giant, of course, Goliath, was more aggressive than the others. But the thing about it is he had a family. He had brothers. Amen? Yeah, he had brothers. Lami and Seth. He had a lot of other brothers. So it was appropriate when David went out and and saw that Goliath was defying the armies of the Lord it was appropriate for the Lord to equip David with several stones he 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 didn't just put one stone in his bag or his script but he put several stones in his script because y'all know how it is when especially if you're in a fight and you're getting beat up but you have relatives what do the relatives come and do they help they jump in amen they help they try to help you to fight and so so yeah Goliath his brothers were there and they were down in the land of Philistine so it wouldn't have taken them long to get them to where Goliath was in order to try and help if the battle was going badly but David of course we know from history that David defeated Goliath David went on to have several other battles he had one battle after the other. It got to the point where David trained his servants and his soldiers so well that he began to break them up into companies and, and they began to win battles themselves. They Some of them slew 30,000 people greater, more than 30,000 people. Another group slew uh, killed more than 70,000 people. That's a lot of people if you're in a war. So David got accustomed to working with his armies and to defeating his enemies he got accustomed to it david was like well how many people are we going up against if they say well we're going up against five or six thousand people david would be all right no problem we should be able to take care of this pretty quickly so he began to to destroy the armies that were defying them and as such as he began to conquer them he would take the spoils or the proceeds or the goods that they owned, and he'd take them back to his own country. And they would put them in the treasury. They had gold, they had silver, they had brass, they had iron, all kinds of jewels that those countries had. David and his armies, the children of Israel, would confiscate those. They would just basically claim those, and they would own them because they won them in battle. They were the artifacts of war. So they would win them, and they had them. They accumulated a lot over time. Well, it got to the point where David got pretty confident in his ability to fight. Yeah, his ability to fight and his ability to win war. David said, if I have enough people that are willing to fight with me, then surely I'll be victorious in what I do. So he became very confident in his ability to overcome and his ability to win whatever war he decided to wage. The Lord was with David in all of his battles. The Lord came and the Lord would strengthen his people, his men who were at war, s- s- yielding the sword. He would allow them to, to execute the, the, the tactics of the war. He would allow them to advance when it was time to advance or to hold stationary when it was time to hold stationary. But they were very strategic in the things they did. They would set their battles, the the scriptures say they would set them in array. In other words, they would put them in patterns that would allow their enemies to go in and and essentially get into a pattern where they could not escape. It's almost like an ambush, you know. There are people that, I don't know if you've ever heard of the, the term turkey hunt. There are people who will set people with guns in certain positions because they say once the, the prey or once the enemy gets to this certain spot, there is no return. Their foes are behind them. They're on the sides of them and they're in the front. So they're right there in the center and there's no place they can do. It's like shooting turkeys in a pen. They they can't go anywhere. So, you know, you're going to kill them. David had gotten so proficient in his ability to destroy his enemies that he got uh, very, very confident and a little bit overzealous in his ability to to win wars. And he became a man of war. He, he became a man that shed a great deal of blood. Well, this is history on the scripture because the issue here is David got overconfident in his abilities with his men, with his armies. And one day it says that Satan came along And he provoked David. Yeah, he provoked them. The 21st chapter of 1st Chronicles says, And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. In other words, to take a census, to, to count the number of people that he had to fight with. Now, the only one who really would encourage or influence or command David to take a census was God. Because God always, God knows how many people there are, but for our sakes, for our benefits, many times he has to remind us of what we're working with. Because sometimes we're working with too much. And other times we're working with not enough. So God reminded David over the course of time how many people he had to work with. And there were times when he would tell certain of the, 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 the leaders they had too many. And then other times he would say, you don't have enough. So hold firm. Don't go into the battle because you'll lose. You don't have enough people. And there'll be more casualties, casualties than you can recover from. But God was the one who would require Israel to be counted for David's sake. The thing about this message is David was being influenced by an evil force. In other words, Satan Stood up and provoked David. Say, I don't know if you've ever been provoked by somebody. If somebody, you know, you know that you, you are either going to do something or maybe you decide not to do something, but they are provoking you. They're constantly edging you on. They're constantly telling you, well, you can't do that. You can't do this. You can't. You don't have enough money. You don't have this. Your credit not good. You don't have that. You, and they're provoking you. To the point where you start trying to decide, how can you silence them? How can you shut them up? How can you get them off your back? So you, you start thinking of things that you can do. This is where David was. So Satan provoked him. Satan got got, got next to him. Now, we, we've been talking this whole season on the mind. And, and Satan got... In his head Satan started messing with David's mind He started telling him that You think you are bad, don't you? You think you have a lot of pro prowess in killing And going and conquering your enemies You think that y'all can't lose a battle But I got news for you I got something out there That that can come against you Because see, y'all don't have enough people To win the battles that I'm getting ready To put in a rave against you and 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 david no doubt david began to think about that thing because i'm sure the emissaries or the ambassadors of satan came and said these things to david and see sometimes the lord will will position you in such a way to where you'll have your enemies right there amongst you you'll have people that are are traitors people that are are rebellious, people that are, are conspirators and co-conspirators right among you. You think you can rely on them, but you realize later on that you can't because they were part of the enemy's camp. So as they began to speak to David and saying, we don't know, you know we don't think we can win some of these battles that you're talking about, we need to go fight, and some of the land that you said we need to conquer and to, oh, to, to take. And it started messing with David's mind. So David started leaning to his own understanding and saying, before I go out to this next battle, one of the things I'm going to do is take account to make sure I've got enough people to fight. And God did not tell him to do that because you see God had gotten to where he wanted David to rely on him he fought his battles god wanted david to rely on the lord not to rely on his own intellect his own will his education his strength he didn't want him to rely on it. he wanted him to rely on god but david says i'm going to count the people and and he he sent out the word he gave a commandment to one of his chief his chief soldiers or his chief captains joab and he said count the people you know, we've won all these battles and we've done well, you know, and I've got it in my mind what I want to do. So go ahead and take a census, take a census and find out how many strong men who can fight that we have to work with. And Joab i realized something's not right about this because you didn't say the Lord commanded us to take the census. You're saying you did. So this sounds like a self-initiative, sounds like something you've gotten in your mind that you're going to do in order to, before you go to fight the next nation. God was displeased because it said to him, I'm not relying on you, Lord, but I'm relying on the number of people I have to work with to fight. I can train them real good. I can teach them how to fight, but I just have to have enough of them in order to be able to win the battle. And the Lord was displeased because you can imagine God saying, out of all of the battles that I've had you to fight, including Goliath, that was not on you. That was not your strength, but I did it because I was the one that was in the midst. I'm the one that helped you to win the battle. Yeah, yeah. Right. But now all of a sudden you, you feel you can do this on your own. Uh-huh. Yeah, you, you, you've got it in your mind that you can do this without God. Right. So he says, I'm going to back up for a second and see how this works out for you. And, and and David he counted the people. Joab says, "David, I, now I, I, you know I know you are the king and everything, but this doesn't sound right. I don't think we should be doing this." And and David began to argue with Joab. David says, "My word is my word. I'm the king. Oh, now we're getting the big hit. I'm the king. You don't 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 be arguing with me. Just do what I what say. what I say. Just do what I say, Joab. Just do what I say." So Joab says, "What?" Well, you know, I I still don't think it's right, but, and and the the, the ones who were were there with David, they didn't side with Joab saying, you know what, we need to think and go and inquire of the Lord, what the Lord wants us to do with this. But no, they said, well, whatever the king said, that's what we're going to do. So Joab went and took a census of all the people. He counted the people. And when he counted them, they had roughly about 1.1 million people, soldiers. Well, there were other nations that had soldiers as well in fact they have more than a million soldiers so david david says you know what i'm gonna go and 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 we're gonna go ahead and prepare ourselves to fight but the lord didn't like what david had done he says because without me you can do nothing so the lord came to david he came to one of his prophets one of his captains he said something that was really, really interesting. Because David David didn't realize that God was dissatisfied. The seventh verse in that same 21st chapter says, and God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing. But now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant. In other words, forgive it, for I have done very foolishly. And the Lord said unto Gad, David's seer, or David's prophet, saying, Go "Go and tell David, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. In other words, you've got three options or one choice. So you choose which one. He says, first, Gad came to David and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, choose thee either three years of famine or three months to be destroyed before thy foes. In other words, the armies that you seek to battle with, let them kill y'all. And be killing your people for three months, while that the sword of thine enemies overtake thee, or else three days, the sword of the Lord, even the pestilence in the land, and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coasts of Israel. Now, therefore, advise thyself. In other words, you you make the decision. See, sometimes we got to realize we can't advise ourselves. It's good to have an abundance of counsel when it's good counsel. And it's people that you know you can trust because they're trusting in God. He says, advise thyself. What word I shall bring again to him that sent me? David in his wisdom said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. I'm between a rock and a hard place. Let me now... Fall or let me fall now into the hand of the Lord For the very great are his mercies But let me not fall into the hand of man Don't let me go up against these people Because more than likely they will destroy us it Says so the Lord sent pestilence Or a grievous, a very noisome, a very bad disease Upon Israel And there fell of Israel 70,000 men when God decides he's not happy with something, he doesn't play. That's right. He really doesn't. He, he executes his judgment. He don't play. It says, and God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, in other words, killing all of the people with the pestilence, it says, it, he repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed it, it is enough. Stay now or Stop. Now hold thine hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Read this because this is in perspective. Because that one angel, in destroying Israel with pestilence, in other words, with disease, all the angel did was afflict every last one that was going to be diseased. He afflicted them. And as such, Israel began to be destroyed with one angel. He didn't send a fleet. He didn't send an army. He didn't send thousands or millions. One angel. 70,000 Israelites. 70,000 men died. Within three days. Now I don't know about you, but that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people to be lost in three days. But that angel, he stood his hand, but he kept his sword drawn. Because he didn't know whether David was going to repent or what. And and he was just, all the angel was doing was what the word of the Lord said. Amen. See, there's something about angels you've got to understand. They execute God's command. That's right. They don't ask questions, why should I do this, Lord? Or there's children, there's women, there's babies there. No, no. The angel said, What did you say for me to do? And that whatever the Lord commanded them to do, that's what the angel does. I don't care if you go, but I'm, I'm this person. I'm from so-and-so family. The angel doesn't care. The angel says, this is the word of the Lord and this is what I'm going to do. you got to understand that about God's, God's angels because some of them, they don't listen to you. They listen to God, which was exactly what God wanted David to do. God says, don't listen to your own mind and worse, don't listen to the enemy. Satan, I don't care how much he's trying to provoke you. Don't let the enemy provoke you into a fight right. that you can't win. That's right. I'll say it again. Don't let the enemy provoke you into a fight that you can't win. Mm-hmm. Well, Pastor, how do, how do we know that we can't win? Because the enemy doesn't want you to fight something that he knows you can win. Mm-hmm. He wants you to fight something that's over your head. He wants you to fight something where the odds are definitely against you. And he'll make them look like they're with you. Make it look like you can win. When all the time he's setting you up for a fall. But he'll provoke you. Because when you start trusting and praying to God, the enemy will try and say the opposite. Oh, you can do it. You can do it. You got so many people. You can do it. You got more people than this other nation. So you know you're going to win. So why don't you fight him? What's the matter with you? You're scared? What's going on? So the enemy will provoke you when you let him get in your head, get in your mind. David made the mistake of listening and allowing the enemy to get to his mind. And as he did, he began to do the wrong thing in preparation for the battle. So the angel of the Lord came and he destroyed 70,000 people in three days. That's a lot of people lost in three days. But God says, this is enough. I I understand the severity of it. I, I do. He just told the angel, destroy Israel. And the angel went about doing that. But God says, you know, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. It's, I don't want to destroy them all because I, they still have my promise. They still have my grace. They still have my, my promises that I made. So I'm not going to destroy them all. So he told the angels to stop destroying. Stay in your hand. Hold up. And the angel did. The thing here, though, it says then that, that David said unto God in the 17th verse, he says, is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered? Even I, it is, that have sinned and done evil. Indeed, but as for these sheep, these children, these women, these people that are innocent, what have they done? Let thy hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on thy people, that they should be plagued. In other words, that they should die from this pestilence, from these diseases. So David prayed not for himself, but for the people that he was responsible for. And as he prayed for them, the Lord heard his prayer. He did. The Lord heard his prayer. It says, then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornon the Jebusite. And David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. Turn with me now to the book of Ephesians the 6th chapter And I'll actually start reading at the 10th verse Ephesians 6 and 10 Paul begins to speak to them He says finally my brethren Be strong in the Lord And in the power of his life Put on the whole armor of God That ye may be able to stand Against the wiles of the trickeries And the darts of the devil For we wrestle not Against flesh and blood Let's make that clear. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, a lot of the battles that you fight are way above your pay grade. They really are. But you got to understand who you're fighting with and who you're fighting for. He says, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. He says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench All the fiery darts of the wicked. Don't think they're not going to throw them at you. Oh yeah, they're going to try and hit you. But your faith will allow you to divert them. And my key scripture is the 17th verse. It says, and take the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet of salvation. I told you Satan got next to David's mind. Yeah, it got in his mind. He provoked him with his thoughts. He began to, to influence David with his thoughts. He wasn't fighting David hand-to-hand combat. No. Mm-hmm. He didn't have an Uzi shooting at David. No. Or, or AR-15 shooting at David. No. He had his thoughts. He was attacking them in his mind. Yes. So that's why the scripture is so appropriate because it says, for us to take the helmet of salvation in other words cover your mind with the fact that you're already saved Amen. salvation Amen. Yeah. salvation salvaged you're already protected you're already saved you're already reclaimed mm-hmm. protect your mind with that don't let other foolishness get in your mind don't let other provoke provocative things get in your mind yes mm-hmm. keep that helmet on that helmet that protection. Which is the word of God, that protection on your mind, so that you can be protected when the enemy comes to attack you in your mind. Yes, right. yes. Do you think the enemy's not going to try and attack your mind? Yes, he is. When God has blessed you with healing, yes. so that if you get sick, you can pray, Lord, heal me, and you get healed. Uh-huh. Well, that convinces you that God is a healer. Yes. You get that locked in your mind. I know my God is a healer. Why? Because he healed me. You get that in your mind. When God has provided from you, for you, you said, I know God is my Jehovah Jireh. Uh, Why? Because he's already made way. He's provided for me. He gives me a place to stay. He yeah. gives me my food, my raiment. He does the things for me that I need done. Uh, so you know this with God. Mm-hmm. It's in your mind. Yes. And, 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 and the, the writer tells us, David says, you got to protect that thing. You got to protect that mind because if not, the enemy will come and he won't attack you with things that he knows you already know. Mm -hmm. No, he wants to get into your mind and provoke your mind to think about things the wrong way. He wants to mess with your mind. Turn to your neighbor and say, the enemy wants to mess with your mind. As we marinate on those thoughts, the enemy wants to mess with my mind. The only thing I can do then is say, Lord, I've got to keep my helmet of salvation on. I've got to keep it in my mind that no matter what I go through, you've already saved me from it. No matter what. I don't care if I'm sick. I don't care if I'm wounded, if I'm disabled, whatever it is, I've got it in my mind that I'm already healed. Whether I'm healed here or whether I'm healed in your presence, I'm going to be healed. That's in my mind. That's in my mind. In eternity, I might live in a temporary state Of discomfort. I might be wounded for a temporary period of time, but I already know that eternally I'm healed. That's right. Eternally, I'm healed. Now, the manifestation of my healing may occur during my temporary state. Uh It may occur while I'm still here walking on the face of this earth. It may and it may not, but I know in my mind that I've been saved from the illness, I've been saved from the pestilence. I've been yes. saved from the plague. I've been saved from everything that the enemy has tried to right. knock me out with. Because see, it's all about your mind. That's right. That's the enemy right. wants to convince you that, oh, you're not going to be healed. You're not going to have this. You're not going to be successful. You're not going to be able to be blessed. The enemy wants to convince you of that. And he wants to provoke you into thinking that. Yes. Look at you. I know you feel that pain, don't you? I, I, yeah. Put your hand on your back right there. You feel it? You feel it? The enemy wants to provoke you to think, That's right. uh-huh. but you got to have a helmet of salvation on. That says, I already know. That's right. I already know what God has done. Yeah. I already know that God has provided for me. I already know that God is keeping me. I already know that God has delivered me. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta know that thing, like you, oh, like we say, you gotta know that you know that you know. Oh, Why? Because if when you know something. It is difficult for the enemy to try and pry that knowledge out of your mind, especially if your mind is covered. Can you imagine somebody hitting you over the head with a bat or hitting you over the head with a bat? Well, if you don't have any protection on your head, then, yeah, they're going to wound you. They may well even kill you because you said I had no protection. But if you got a helmet on there and they hit you, the, the bat just go flying across the room. Why? Because the helmet repelled the bat. And you look at him like, yeah, you tried to knock me out, but I had a helmet on. Yeah. So you didn't realize it. And You'd laugh at that because you'd realize my helmet protected my head. That's, right. That's exactly what the word of God. There are times when you got to learn how to laugh at enemy. Ha, right. ha, ha, ha. Yeah, right. you, you think you're going to beat me? Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, right. Because you have a helmet of protection. And you already know. You already know that God has given you the victory. Yes, you already yes. know that the battle is yours. Yes. You already know the battle is already won. It's something to know that a battle is won before it even starts. That's right. That's right. That's right. Amen? Amen? I don't know if you've ever been in a fight where you already know the outcome of that fight. You already know. I, I already know we're going to win this. That's right. we are, That's the, the, right. Today is Super Bowl day, right? And there's some people that says, I think San Francisco is going to win. There are other ones that says Kansas City's going to win. They don't know. They don't know. They say they do a coin toss to see who gets the ball first and all of that. But they don't know who's going to win the game. They say there are odds. and There's some who are voting for San Francisco that says, yeah, you know, San Francisco has a better record. They do. They have a better record. They've defeated more of their, their uh, opponents than Kansas City has. And there are others who get in their minds, Brother E.J., that will say, but Kansas City has the better defense. And Kansas Kansas City seems like they're the more aggressive. They're more hungry. They really want to win. San Francisco has won before. What are they starting to do? They're starting to provoke their mind. They're starting to provoke their opponent's mind. And they'll tell them, I I, I believe I know who's going to win, but they don't know who's going to win. They say it's a game of chance. It depends. Somebody can throw a pass and get intercepted. Next thing you know, the game flips and goes the other way, in the other direction. They don't know. But I'm here to tell you, we know who our Savior is. We know who our God is. We can walk confidently knowing who our God is. We can walk in confidence saying, I know my God is a deliverer. I know my God is a comforter. I know God's going to take me through this. I know. And no matter what the enemy tries to put in our mind, We can let him know, we know, we already know, we already know. We We got the answer already. He already told me that we are more than conquerors. How? Through Christ Jesus that does what? Strengthens us. So I already know that. Don't let the enemy come telling you, you're weak in this area. You can't do this. You can't do that. You're too weak to do it on your own. Say, the devil is a liar. I already have the victory. I already have the victory. I'm praying that God just manifested to me. That's all. I may not see it, but I know I have it. And you got to have that thought in your mind, even with the salvation of God. You may not see where God is taking you right now, but you got to know God is taking me somewhere. He's taking me somewhere. I may not know where I'm going, but I know I'm going with him wherever he's going. I'm following. I know I'm going somewhere with the Lord. I know it is in my mind. And my helmet, helmet of salvation has been placed on that thing. Yes. When you know what God is doing, then you can act on God's word. Yes. Right. David was acting on his own words when he's counted the people and taken the census. God didn't tell him to do that. Mm-hmm. And even the men who knew David and who knew God and how God worked with David, they told David, David, you shouldn't do this. This doesn't sound like it's of God. We've been winning. We've been doing what God told us to do. And we've been victorious. Don't do something that God has not told you to do. Uh-huh. But he wouldn't listen to them because he was provoked by the enemy. Mm-hmm. Don't let the enemy provoke you into doing the thing that is against God's will. Amen. Instead, know it in your mind. Keep your mind protected. You have just listened to another episode of the Greater Harvest podcast. We hope that you have had an ear for what the word has to say to you. And we pray that your life will be changed for the better as a result of that. Please join us here again very soon and follow us on Instagram and Facebook for even more from the harvest. See you soon. Be blessed.